born to die, He might give eternal life that I might live, then rose again. Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. For Jesus saved my soul that night. On Sunday mornings, for a little while, I want to do a series of messages from the book of 1 John. And you don't want to miss any of them because they're all connected. They're like steps as we go through. And I want to explain some things to you that I think will help you in your walk with the Lord. The title of the whole series is going to be Focus on Fellowship. How you and I are supposed to walk with the Lord. We know salvation, God made that so simple. All we had to do was trust Christ as our Savior. He did all the work. And all He wanted us to do is accept the work that He did so that we don't try to work for something He says you can't earn. So it's free. It's the gift of God. Eternal life. Knowing that we're going to heaven whenever we die. And if you look there in your notes, you'll see that The theme of today's message is on fellowship and assurance. And as you study through the book of 1 John, you'll you'll see that the key word is no, no. You see, the, the Gnostics says you can't know. You can't know truth. You can't know God. Some people like to brag about how agnostic they really are. It means that they're without knowledge. So I just let them go ahead and brag. Some people are stupid and want to stay that way. The Bible is actually got only one author. It's the Lord. The Bible says that holy men of God wrote as they were moved or guided along by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit of God told the men what to write. And so God used this one writer named John, in order to write some of the books of the Bible. And you can see that he wrote five of the books of the Bible. The Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and the book of Revelation. He was just a young man. He could have been a teenager. But I want you to take your Bible and turn with me to the Gospel of John, first of all. We'll come back to 1st John in just a moment. But here in the book of... um, John, the Gospel of John, in chapter 13. They had sat around talking, and Jesus was telling them 
after he had washed some feet, that there's somebody there that didn't really love him, didn't know him, didn't believe in him, didn't trust him. He was one of the disciples. And his name was Judas Iscariot. Maybe you've heard of him. But look in verse 21 of John chapter 13. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples, whom Jesus loved. Now we believe that um, God used John to write, and I believe John is talking about himself. The very next verse talks about Simon Peter. So I believe in these two simple little verses, you have the youngest of the disciples, John, and the oldest of the disciples, Peter. Peter had a responsibility to paying a temple tax with a half a shekel. That's why he had to pay a, a half shekel, and anyway, he got one out of a fish's mouth, and it was a shekel, so he was told to pay that for Jesus and Peter. So there's a good possibility they were the oldest ones. The rest of them are young people. Jesus was a youth worker. And so we have here a little statement that's made in verse 24. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. He then, lying on Jesus' breast, said unto him, Lord, who is it? Then he gets into another story here that he told him how to recognize him. But I'm not sure that any of them did. And then Judas went out that night and betrayed. Now, I've often wondered, as I have lived so far, you know, 77 years. I don't know how many more years I will have. But one of the things that I think about, I wished that I had seen some of the miracles that they've done in the Bible. You know, I've read about them, but I've, I've never really seen any of them. I've got testimonies, but I've never seen them. I would have loved to have been one of these guys that got a chance to go up into heaven and see it like the Apostle Paul did, like Elijah did. But I often wondered, really, my reaction, what it's going to be when I, I see God face to face. One day, we're going to see him. I've often wondered what it would have been like to be one of the disciples you know, one of the apostles, knowing that there stands in front of me in this physical body, God. There's God, the creator of heaven and earth. He's right there. To be one of the disciples that says, I actually saw him. I touched him. I heard him. What that must have been like. Well, you, when you read 1 John, you get a little bit of that awesomeness about a man who not only knew the Lord, but he walked with the Lord. As far as I know, he was one of the oldest disciples when he passed away in his 90s. And that God used him to write even the last book in the Bible. So I um, want you to take your Bible and turn in the Gospel of John to chapter 1, and look what John wrote here. 
so that when we go to the first chapter and the first four verses, you'll have a, a little bit better idea how John thought and felt. You see there in John chapter 1, it makes this statement. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. So I believe the word beginning here goes all the way back to the beginning. All the way back to the beginning before there was creation. You see, Jesus, yes, He was born, but the Son of God in His divinity has always been. He just had an earthly birth in the physical body. But that's not when he began. He's the one that did all the creation. He was God manifested in the flesh. And he says there in verse 3, all things were made by him. Who? That one that was born into this world. Jesus. God in the flesh. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now you can't change it any other way. It does not say and the word was a God. That's your Jehovah's Witnesses. That's in the New World Translation. It's not in the King James. In verse 3, all things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. So this is what he's talking about. Now look in verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made by him. And the world knew him not. He came into this world, took upon a flesh body, and the world did not recognize him. But he told him when he'd be born, what nation he'd come through, what tribe he'd be born, everything about him. But they didn't believe it. And they wished not who it was. And here's God standing right in front of them. I heard just the other night, well, last night, Here's Mary, and here's Jesus. And Jesus went out of the house and didn't close the door, and she hollered at him and says, What, was you born in a barn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we'll move right along. You know, it's, Now, we know that it's always good to have good fellowship between us and God. It's also good to have people that you can have fellowship with. Now, there's... A time whenever these two snails were kind of crawling along, and it, it was so slow, so they jumped on the back of a turtle. Now, you can get on the back of the turtle, but you've got to go wherever the turtle's going. If you're going to walk with God, you've got to go where he's going and walk with the Lord. And you've got to get your priorities straight. It's either your way or his way. And learn how to walk with God. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Now, I'm telling you all about Gary. Once in a while, me and Gary, we like to play a game of golf. But the other day, a guy had to go to the emergency room because he had a, a golf ball caught in his throat. And into the emergency room walked this other guy. And so they asked him, says, are you a relative? Gary said, no. He said, well, can we help you? He said, well, it's my golf ball. I want it back. Now, that's the way it is with some people. They just, you know, got their priorities wrong. A lot of times, me and Gary's out there playing golf. You know, we, we, talk, we talk about a lot of things. But 
You know, sometimes the preacher wants to keep things to himself and not because you don't want to tell everything because in, you know, in your, their moment of weakness, they, they might tell somebody else, so you've got to be very careful. But I did accidentally, I slipped up one day and I told Gary that I had my voice insured for half a million dollars. And friendship is for encouragement. So he asked me what I did with the money. You know, there's some friends that are like that. They always have just the right thing to say at the right time. Or maybe the wrong thing to say. But I want you to take your Bible now and look there in verse 10. He was in the world. The world was made by him. And then he's fine. See in verse 10. And the word was made flesh. Dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, and the word was God. God took upon a body. Now, God can't die. So he, born into this world, took upon a body, and then he could take our sins upon himself and die. Now, this is what John was talking about. So John knew God. John saw God, though he was veiled. But he was also one that saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration when he was glorified. And they saw him as he would be in the kingdom. And it says that his clothes got so white that it was brighter than the noonday sun. So there's things that they got to see. I've never got to see something like that. But I've got the report and if I can't be there and see that, I'm glad there is a report written about it so that I could understand a little bit more. So now I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 John and chapter 1. 1 John and chapter 1. Now you'll notice here in John chapter 1 and in verse 1, he says, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen, we have looked upon, our hands have handled of the word of life. Now, Jesus is called the word of life, the word of eternal life. That's why whenever you accept Christ as your Savior, you have accepted eternal life. Jesus is God. Jesus is eternal life. So when you accept eternal life, Jesus says, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. So how long would you have eternal life? Forever and ever. It's a union that joins you together with the Lord. And he says, nothing can ever separate you from him. Nothing. The book of Romans in chapter 8. So I want you to notice here in verse 1, the word heard, the word seen, looked upon, handled. He says, we met God. We met God. We walked with God. So if there's anybody that ought to know what it's about, well, John was there. And he's writing to God's children. That's you and me. So that you and I would know how to walk with God. Because he did. And so he tells us this life in verse 2 was manifested and we have seen it bear witness, show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. They saw God 
the Father, manifested through God, the Son, they saw eternal life. And Jesus wants to give to you and I eternal life. Now, to help you understand the book, the book is not to show us how to go to heaven. This is written to God's children, those who already know the Lord, and explaining why we should walk with God. There's a lot of people that think you have to walk with God to go to heaven. No, I'm already going to heaven. I already know Him as my Savior. But there's a hunger inside that says, I want to know more. I want to walk closer. And all the laws in the world will not make it happen. You see, it's a love that you have between you and your daddy, and you want to get to know him better. So hold your place right here and just turn over there to the book of 1 John chapter 5. The book of 1 John in chapter 5. Now, I'm skipping over a few things, but we'll get back to it in a minute. In 1 John chapter 5, I want you to look there in verse 11 where he says, And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is where? In the church? In the Ten Commandments? It's in His Son. So when you accept the Son, you have eternal life. That's why he says in verse 12, he that hath the Son hath what? So when we ask people, will you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior? Will you accept Him? He is eternal life. You can't have one without the other. When do you get eternal life? When you accept the Son. When do you get eternal life? The very moment you accept the Son. Now, in verse 13, he says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may what? Know that you have what? Eternal life. So how do you accept the Son? By believing what He said and what He did. What He did was pay for our sins. What He said was that you accept what I did for you and you got eternal life. When would you get that eternal life? When you believe it. When you accept Him as your Savior. That very moment. Now look down in verse 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and hath given us an understanding. See, we only through Christ can understand how to have eternal life and live for all eternity with the Lord is because He's helped us by explaining who He is and what He's done through the Holy Spirit taught through the Scriptures. So he says this, hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him that is true, even in his son Jesus Christ. And underline this in your Bible, this little statement. This is the true God and what? And eternal life. You can't have one without the other. So when people say, have you trusted Christ? Oh, yes. Do you have eternal life? Well, I don't know. Remember, I mentioned this. Are you married? Yes, I am. Do you have a wife? I don't know. Who in the world wants a mother-in-law while I get a wife? Now, go back here to verse 4 in chapter 1. Verse 4, and look, the purpose of the book, it's always good to know why was the book written. It's written to God's children. And that's why he says in verse 4, and these things write we unto you so you'll know how to go to heaven. No, it didn't say that. This is so that you, your joy may be full. 
You see, the closer you get the Lord, the happier you're going to be in life. True happiness, true joy. You start getting further from the Lord and you'll live in fear. Perfect love casteth out fear. So 1 John here is talking about how that you, the closer you get to the Lord and the more you love the Lord, the less of the fear of the world you're going to have. Now, I'm not making that up. I want to show it to you in the scriptures. But first of all, I want you to look at the purpose we have here, the fruit, full joy in divine fellowship, chapter 1, verse 4. The fruit of fellowship, chapter 2, now look in verse 1. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you're now a child of God. So he says, my little children. So is he writing to God's children or not? Yes, he is. He's not writing to the lost people. He's writing to the believers. And he says, these things write I unto you. So there's a reason why these things are written to you. When he says, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Notice the first statement there, that ye sin not. Now there's a couple other places where this is also similar. When you read the book of Romans in chapter 6 and verse 1, after you've trusted Christ as Savior, the question, shall we continue in sin? God forbid. No. But if you read this and you put Scripture in context, say, but if you do, you need to know. Does God want His children to live in sin? No. Does He want us to live in the flesh? No. Because sin is of the flesh. And if you didn't have that sinful nature, you wouldn't have to worry about it. But it's a sign you still got an old sinful nature. So you have a choice of walking in the old sinful nature or you can walk in according to your new nature. Your new birth has no sinful nature. It can't sin. So here you are, and you've got to walk in one or the other. And you're, we're so easily deceived. We sometimes think that we're always walking in the Spirit. We're always doing right, but we're not. So it's easy for a child of God to think he's walking in the Spirit, and he's really walking in the flesh. First John is to help us to see and discern for ourselves so you don't have to have somebody else tell you, that's not right. That's not right. You can discern for yourself. So that's why it's going to take about 12 lessons through the book of First John. And I hope that you get them all. But I want you to take your Bible and look at a verse with me. I want you to look there in John chapter 8. Hold your place here, but look there in John and chapter 8. The Gospel of John. There's a little illustration that's mentioned here. Where a woman was caught in the very act of adultery. And so she was brought to see Jesus. They did it on purpose, trying to trap him. And so the Pharisees are behind this. And of course, if she was caught in the very act of adultery, you ever wonder, well, where's the man? Where was the man? Now, there's a good possibility everything has to be witnessed by two or more. So there could be up to three people that had to be witnesses of what was going on, and they saw it. And there's a good possibility that one of those men and those two witnesses were standing there. And when Jesus wrote, it wasn't so much that he was what he was writing in the sand, which everybody starts to figure out, what did he write? What did he write? What did he... I don't know what he wrote. But I know that the Ten Commandments was, the Bible says, written by the finger of God. And here's Jesus, who is the great I Am, and he's writing something. 
And maybe he wrote something that they could see. And he says, let him that hath no sin cast the first stone. Well, these people that were the eyewitnesses, did they tell the truth or did they lie? Chances are they, it was true. She was caught. But why wasn't the man stoned? Another question is if, when Jesus looked at her, says in verse 11, Jesus said, or look, look in verse 10, when Jesus had lifted him up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those things of thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now, go and sin no more. That means she's never going to sin again. Or she's not going to commit that sin. Or that's the will of God, even for you and I. He doesn't want us to live in sin or to walk in the flesh. Now, go back to the book of uh, 1 John chapter 2. Where he makes the statement... There in verse 1, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have a lawyer. We have an advocate. We have somebody who is in our, well, he's our defense attorney. He defends us. And that defense attorney is Jesus Christ himself. In other words, he paid for that sin. There's always the devil who wants to accuse you before the Father. Did you see what she did? Did you see what he did? And yes, there's a lot of people who probably can point out a lot of sins in a lot of people's lives. They don't see their own, but they can point them out in everybody else. But Jesus says, Father, I, I paid for that. I, I paid for that. Now, that was covered too. That's under the blood. How many of my sins did Christ pay for when he died? Now look at the last part of verse 2. In verse 2 he says, And he is the propitiation or the satisfaction for my sins. But not for ours only, but also for what? Sins of the whole world. Calvinists have to really mutilate this verse to try to say it doesn't mean that. But it is true, and it does mean that. When Christ died, he paid for all the sins of all the world. Take your Bible and look in verse 26. In verse 26 of chapter 2, because these are some things that says it was written and it is written. So it's written for a reason. So you need to have as high points what was written and why was it written. So he makes a statement here in verse 26. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. Is it possible that God's children can be seduced? Can they be led astray? Yes. Is it possible for you to love the wrong things? Yes. You see there, when he makes a statement in verse 15 of chapter 2, the Word of God tells us to his little children, believers, by one of the apostles that were actually there with God and learned from God, and the Holy Spirit told him, write this, write this, write this. He was so honored and so blessed to give us insight into the closeness with our Heavenly Father. Look what he says in verse 15. Love not the world. Why would he tell you not to love the world? Because it's possible to love the world. You mean a child of God? 
can walk in the flesh, be deceived, and love the world. And then he says, what I mean by saying, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world, because any man has the love of the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And then he explains what he's talking about, the lust of the eyes and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. A Christian can have all of those things and not walk with the Lord. Amazing grace amazes me. Dr. Arnold has many items to help you in your walk with the Lord, including videos, books, tracks, outlines to hundreds of sermons, over 4,000 radio messages, and preaching schedule. Once again, feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. That's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound, and we will be changed, caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing.